Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. It's a brand-new Flyers Daily for the 6th of January, 2024. Flyers back in action today. A little matinee hockey on what is a fine day to celebrate the legacy of the greatest Flyer, Mr. Ed Snyder. It'll be Flyers Ed Snyder Legacy Day at the rink today as the Flyers take on the Calgary Flames, and the Flyers will look to get back into their winning ways as well. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers, bit of a slide of late, to say this, uh, to say it obviously. They've lost four games straight, uh, 38 games played on the season. They're now sitting in the fourth spot in the Metropolitan Division, 19-13-6. and six, 44 points, two points back of the Islanders, two points back of Carolina. Carolina's won four straight. Calgary, one of the teams the Flyers saw on that Western road trip. Calgary, 38 games played, 17, 16, and 5, 39 points. They've won three straight games, and they're 6-2-2 two and two in their last 10. But Flyers will look to get back at it today when they take on Calgary and try to exact uh, some recency revenge. Maybe that's just what the doctor ordered uh, for the Flyers to get things moving back in the right direction and start collecting games with multiple points. They got a point out of the game the other night against Columbus, but uh, ended up losing in the shootout. But in this episode, in light of the birthday, the 91st birthday of Flyers founder and chairman and owner Ed Snyder, we're going to have Alan Bass on. Alan's written a book about Ed Snyder, and it is a great read. It's called Ed Snyder, The Last Sports Mogul. And Alan joins us right now to talk all things Ed Snyder. Alan, how are you? I'm great, Jason. Thanks for having me on. This book, I think, really opens a lot of people's eyes to more than just the man that we knew that owned and ran the Philadelphia Flyers and built them and took the risk. This kind of peels back a lot of the innovative mind that he had as well, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, I think one of the most interesting parts of of Ed was his business mind. Um, he was an innovator. Um, he was certainly behind the times on certain things, but he was way ahead of the time on the majority of uh, of his life uh, between the Flyers, between what he did when creating Spectacore, which eventually became Comcast Spectacore. You know, he really had this inkling for what was to come, what was the next best thing in sports, what was the next thing in sports media, uh, and he was pretty much years ahead of everyone else. You know, in this day and age, most NHL organizations and most sports organizations operate as, you know, this conglomerate of various companies that all support each other. But Ed was doing that decades before anybody else was. And I think a part of the part of the excitement for me of writing the book and for fans being able to read it is to understand the personality behind that. You know, what drove him as a young guy uh, before he even was involved with the Flyers, um, why did he become the way he became? Like, how did that personality uh, kind of evolve over time? And I think it answers a lot of questions that people then have as to why did Ed do things this way or why did he do things that way? Uh, I think it really sheds light on on uh, his personality, uh, the reasons behind his decisions, um, and you know how the Flyers became one of the most respected organizations in sports. Was he a tech, like technically savvy, like a technology guy? Because I would imagine he would have been great for the league now, too, as they, you know, make this voyage from traditional broadcasting to on demand and streaming. I, I just had a feeling he, he would be ahead of the curve no matter what era 
it was that he was kind of running things. And I, is that because he was a guy that was, you know, leaned on people for vision and took their took their guidance and and put his spin on it and was a bit of a risk taker as well? Sure. I mean, he he definitely was ahead of the curve. And part of that comes from the fact that he worked for the Eagles. He ran the Eagles organization for a few years before he started the Flyers. And, you know, even then football was, you know, much, much larger relative to the NHL, just like it is today. Um, and so he kind of had an understanding of where football had gone already. And he saw the direction that most sports should go. So back then, he, he there was a reason why he was so far ahead of the curve. Now, he remained pretty far ahead of the curve through most of his life. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a curious, uh, it's curious to kind of talk about what would he be doing today? You know, he was certainly savvy uh, in terms of understanding that change happens in the game, change happens in sports, change happens in media. You know, I, I don't know how he would have reacted to, you know, the 24-hour social media cycle. Uh, I, yeah. I have no clue how he would have handled that. Uh, in this day and age, but he definitely was one to like new things. You know, you know, the, the digital ads on the boards, he would have been fascinated by the ability to, uh, to, uh, you know, get ads targeted to specific regions, even in a nationally televised game, even if it didn't work perfectly, or even if it failed completely, Ed was someone who did like to try new things. And if, if someone brought him an idea that he thought could benefit the sport, his company, he was always willing to try his, his big thing was if you fail, at least fail having gone all out. Uh, and he and they failed many times while he was running the team. And he was okay with that so long as you gave the full effort, so long as you put the proper thought into it. He was always okay with that because, I mean, just like a, a lot of successful people say, you have to fail in order to eventually succeed. Yeah. Uh, did he have the personality, Alan, where he's a guy that would rather lead the way and break down the barriers to to new ways of doing things as opposed to, follow other teams that did it and even though you know he'll he'll miss some of the pitfalls because if you follow you 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 get some lessons learned already but he was a guy that seemed to want to lead the way and yeah if there were pitfalls along the way he'd pivot on them i think you're mostly right on that he definitely was a leader i mean he was de he was not one to sit quietly and see what everyone else was doing he, he wanted to bust through the wall and and be the first one to try something new. But he also was not averse to learning from other people. He wasn't someone that thought he knew everything. He really leaned on the people that worked for him. He leaned on his colleagues in the league. Um, you know, he was very He and Gary Bettman had a very close relationship. He and Jeremy Jacobs had a good relationship. You know, he, he really was someone, you know, even if you go back into the eighties and the nineties, uh, a lot of the owners back then, he was, while he was at the forefront of a lot of ideas and evolution of the game, he was very content to learn from the people around him. He had, a, he had a pretty good mix of understanding what he did and didn't know. And I think that's what made him such a good leader because um, a lot of people think that to be a good leader, you have to just be directing all the time, but sometimes it is better to listen. And he was pretty good. You know, he, he could be strong personality. Everyone that worked, with, worked yeah. with him knew that. He could get angry. Everyone knew that. Everyone was probably subject to one of his, uh, you know, yelling streaks at some point. Uh, but at the end of the day, he wanted people around him who, who tested themselves, who tested him, who brought different ideas. And he was certainly not one to think he knew everything. He, he knew he had to lean on the people around him while he was leading himself. I, I think that's the best leadership quality you could have. Knowing what you don't know, being curious to learn what you don't know from people that do, but empowering them 
and, and, and cultivating an environment where they feel they can go to you and say, here's my idea and not just have it crinkled up and tossed in the wastebasket because it wasn't his idea. He cultivated that, that environment of, Hey, come to me with ideas. Let's do things. Let's push the envelope just because this is the way it's done. Doesn't mean it can't be done better. Right. And in fact, there were a couple, uh, there were a couple of phrases he used a lot throughout his life that some people may have heard. The first one was hire the right people and let them do their jobs. Yeah. Um, I know he, he had an aura around him of, of meddling and, and the decisions were always Ed's decisions. That's what everyone always said. Uh, but, you know, you talk to everybody that worked with him over the years, you know, whether it's, whether it's Bob Clark, Paul Holmgren, or all the way down to some, somebody in the office that was, that, that had some menial job. Every single person said that they always, you know, he always asked questions. He always pushed. He sometimes pushed hard, but he never told you what to do. He just wanted to make sure that you were thinking properly about a problem. He wanted to make sure that you were moving in the right direction. Um, but he didn't always know where to go. Um, you know, he didn't know what players to sign. He didn't know what players to draft, but he wanted to know, you know, what is our plan and is the decision you're making fitting within that plan? So he really was a proponent of finding those right people and letting them do their job. But he also had to be around often and ask the questions to make sure that it was still the right people in place. You know, you fire a lot of people when you own a sports team. Uh, he also had a, another phrase that I like, I actually use in my day-to-day -day life in my businesses. Uh, he said, a fish stinks from the head. And his point was that if there's a problem in the organization, even if it's not technically his problem, he's the one at the top and he's the one that is responsible for it. And I think that is an excellent, excellent lesson in leadership, because no matter how big or small your organization, if there's a problem in it, the buck stops at the top. So yeah. even if something wasn't Ed Snyder's fault, Ed was happy to take the blame for it because he knew at the end of the day, it was his organization. I know he was asked one time about a, a deal that happened or a player, and, and they asked if it was him that pushed for it. And he said, if I had to do that, I wouldn't hire a general manager. What's, what's the point in me hiring that guy if I'm not going to let him do his job but you're right he was very he was demanding and he wanted to know that there was a well thought out plan in place which i think is really interesting with where the team is now alan because you know i did the top five storylines of the calendar year 2023 and a lot of it was you know the transition from chuck fletcher to danny briere and keith jones the cultural aspects of that from dave scott to dan hilferty um but you know the single biggest storyline to me is the fact that the ugly red line is no longer slicing the flyer logo in half at center ice. And Snyder never would have had that. He had two. He did not want his logo desecrated by the red line, even though teams all over the NHL do it. And that's tongue in cheek because it's just symbolic that the organization is getting back to the standard for which he operated. And I don't mean just operated from a business standpoint. I mean, from a personal standpoint with his employees, the way they're treated, the way their families are treated, the way their kids, the way their parents, players, kid, all of them. Uh, that standard is coming back, and it's been sorely missed, even though it hasn't been very long that it hasn't been around. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's 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 been really fascinating to watch the evolution of the organization um, since that uh, first press conference with uh, you know Jonesy, Danny, Dan Hilferty, and John Torella. Uh, you know, it's been. It's been fun to watch because Torts was already putting the pieces in place uh, in the last year to really, you know, players are responsible for their for their actions, whether it's on ice or off ice, really trying to create. I know he doesn't like using the word culture. I'll use the word culture. Um, you know, it's really establishing that 
in the locker room, but also in the offices and in the hallways of the organization. You know, there's yeah. hundreds of people that work for this or for the organization Comcast Spectacor and the Flyers. And you need that culture from the top down. If, you know, again, fish stinks from the head, even if it's not the person's fault at the top, if there's a problem, it, it ends up at the top of the organization. And so I think uh, Keith, Danny and, and Dan have done a really great job of making sure they're not trying to be Ed Snyder because you can't be somebody else, but they're taking the, the lessons from Ed Snyder uh, of establishing a really wonderful culture, showing the fans how much they truly care about this team. But then they're using that uh, within the realms of the modern NHL, because even just eight years after Ed's passing, the league is way different than what it was then. And it's much different from where it was 50 years ago when the Flyers won the Stanley Cup last. So you do have to move forward and evolve with the times from a personnel perspective, from a player perspective, and even just from a corporation perspective. Um, and I think they've done a good job of balancing that so far of getting um, that culture back without going back and living in the past. I think yeah. you want to balance that properly. You want to celebrate the past and you want to honor the past, but respect you still it. want to move forward. Exactly. Yeah. You respect it, but you, you, you use the core elements of his belief system. Um, not in the way the game is played. You can't go back to, you know, the broad street bullies and fighting everybody. And it's just not the game today. I think the thing that's really interesting too, is I feel like, you know, John Torrell has talked about this at some point in this rebuild, they'll be ready to woo free agents again. And, you know, you look at Philadelphia and we've seen so many athletes come through this town in all the sports, you know, guys like, uh, you know, Darren Dalton, who made this his home, or you look over the years, there's Chris Tarian's made it his home. John LeClaire's made it his home. They, they reside here after they play um, because of the, they connect with the city of the sports city. And a lot of them grow up here in a lot of ways. Um, but what did Ed Snyder did, I think was, the way he treated families of players and, you know, their kids in the family room and, you know, all of those elements respect them as humans is a big thing that goes around in circles of agents and players when they're considering where they're going. And he was way ahead of the curve in that regard. Yeah. I mean, if you go back into the, you know, the late sixties and the early seventies when he and his, his wife Myrna were running the team, I mean, they always joked that, um, that Ed was the heart, but Myrna was the soul of the organization. And, yeah. you know, the, the running joke was that people in the hallways would say, hi, Myrna. Hello, Mr. Snyder. And, <laughs> you know, it was, it, you know, she was the friendly, bubbly, outgoing extrovert who you knew everybody's name in the building. And Ed was, you know, the very staunch, you know, got, he was the tough guy running the business at the top of it. But together, they really created this family atmosphere where people knew that there was, there was heart and soul at the top of that organization. And I think that's, that's what's crucial in what you said in driving people to want to come to Philadelphia to be a member of the Flyers and to stay there after the fact. And, you know, you, we talk about, you know, people talk about the tough Philadelphia fans. You know, when you're in this city, you understand that all, you, all the fans want to know is that the players and the people running the team are as passionate about winning and losing as the fans are. And when Ed was there, everyone knew that no matter how upset they were, with how the team was performing, he was even more upset. Yeah. And again, you can't be Ed Snyder. You can't pretend to be Ed Snyder, but you can certainly see, I mean, everyone knows the passion Keith Jones has for the game. The city has known Danny Briere for many years, especially with, you know, what he did on the ice for the team. I mean, he left his, he left his heart on the ice every single night when, that, when he was a player. And you can see the passion he has as an executive now 
you don't even have to ask about Torts's passion. I mean, that just that's yeah, that just hits you in the yeah. face. Yeah, <laughs> and Please, I think that's what's been it. missing, and 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 I think the fans recognize that, and you, and you see the narrative around the team changing. People are starting to view the team more positively. You know, you see people joking around when the Eagles are struggling and the Phillies are blowing it, and the and the Sixers aren't doing well. People are joking, oh look, it's the Flyers' time again. They're the best performing team right now, and and it's funny to see how that all kind of comes full circle at the moment. Yeah, the the dichotomy, how it's shifted. Um... You know, you can build a culture, take years and years and years to build it. You can tear it down rather quickly. It's like a house of cards. You just don't know when you're going to pull one card out that's going to collapse it. But um, the process of rebuilding it, and I think the big thing about it is, and and this is another thing that, you know, in my time around Ed Snyder with the organization and growing up here as a fan was it always felt honest. It was never faux outrage it was never hey let me put on a show to make the fans think i care as much as they do you could tell it was authentic and it was honest and that pervaded the organization as well and i think when you see guys the way keith jones played the game and the fact that he was in media in this town and was connected to the fans so well and danny played the game in a very honest way as well i i think that that's why i think fans are recognizing that because it's it's affecting all areas of the organization and the connection the fans have to it. Yeah. The fans, I mean, specifically in Philadelphia, fans just want you to level with them. You know, they, they don't expect you to tell them every little secret and every conversation you're having, but your fans can, fans can read through some BS pretty easily. And if they sense that you're not telling them something, or they sense that you're just straight out lying to them or pretending to be someone else, they'll, they'll just jump off the wagon real quick and, and let, and, and, and let you be on your own. I mean, like you said, you have to be authentic. And coaches talk about that all the time. Like uh, one of the critiques of Tortorella in the past is, you know, is it just an act? Is it just an act? Same thing with Snyder. Um, but, you know, you can't do that. P- players, employees, fans, people see right through that. You have to be authentic. And like you said, you know, Jonesy is authentic. Danny Breer is authentic. Tortorella is authentic. They, the, the people running the organization, um, you know, you can sense their passion. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm, um, I'm, uh, you know, taking a shot at the people that were there beforehand between uh, Dave Scott and Val and, and those there. You know, they they had a tough job to do. Anybody following Ed Snyder's footsteps, yeah, you were, it, it was an impossible position to be in because there were issues that had to be fixed within the organization. Ed, Ed was not a perfect man. He had flaws like all of us do. And there were things that had to get fixed and they did the best they could. Um, but you know, you see what Jonesy and Danny and Dan Hilferty are doing and it, and you know that it's moving in the right direction. And I think fans see that as well. You never want to be the man that follows the man. You want to be the man yeah. that follows the man's man. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? For sure. Two for sure. It's, it's, it's a big set of shoes to step into and it, and it can overwhelm yeah. you and affect your decision making as well. Um, as you see the organization, you know, celebrating Ed Snyder Legacy Day uh, with the game against Calgary and and kind of re-embracing all of, you know, the traits and standards that he operated with, you know, and the, and the fans recognize it as well. Uh, I, I get a thrill out of it because like, I remember 2010 when they won the conference final in that game five over Montreal. And I remember he came on the radio with me during the post game show. And he was just so thrilled. They were going back to the cup and, like I can, in my mind's eye, I can capture that feeling standing with him and talking to him and just, you could feel 
like how proud he was that he was going back to the pinnacle of the NHL again and just how thrilled he was not for himself and his business, but it was for all, all the people in the organization that bust their hump every day. Like he genuinely, like they deserved it. And and he was thrilled that they were getting a taste. And it's, it's funny that you bring up that year because some of the best stories I heard uh, through all the interviews I did was about that playoff run. And people said that he was like a little kid again. Like oh, he, he was, was. just the, <laughs> the pride he had for that team. You know, when they, when they lost uh, in that heart wrenching game to Chicago to end the final, he went into that locker room almost in tears, not because they lost, but because he was so proud of them. In fact, he had told them that he couldn't remember having been more proud of a Flyers team than that team, that the run that they went on and he knew he didn't look, he, he was still doing all right at that point, but you know, he was getting up there in years and he had a couple health problems and he wasn't sure if he'd ever see an, another flyer Stanley cup win. you know, obviously it turned out he did and even get to see them get to the final one more time. And he, 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 he made sure that he took the moments to enjoy that. You know, he flew with the team to Chicago. He took the team out to dinner. He, that he was having fun with them. He had a song that, that, that he would dance with Billy Leno after every win, you know, that yeah. he had fun that, and you, I mean, we all remember that, that year, Philadelphia turned orange. They just fell head over heels for that team because of the passion and it comes from the top and it went through the locker room. And, and I, and that's what the team's trying to get back now. And they're definitely on the right path. Yeah. That's funny that you say that. Cause he let his hair down. Now he, he did let his hair down with that group. And I think that group reminded him a lot of those 70 teams with a guy like Mike Richards, you know, had a lot of Clarky traits to him and just the willing to sacrifice and do whatever it took for the team. And I think he was just gutted for those guys in that locker room, knowing what they poured into that, the comeback against Boston and the way it all played out. Um, there's some people, you know, that high profile people that worked in the organization that really meant a lot to him. And Gene Hart was one of those guys. He had such trust in Gene Hart to be his lead communicative voice for this organization. Um, what was that relationship with him and Gene, Gene like? You know, because I think that they were just so important to each other. So, yeah, Ed had a soft spot for anybody that gave their life, their life to his organization. Um, you know, he, he certainly had a softer spot for the people early on because, you know, his financial life was teetering on it on any daily basis uh, up through like the late 70s, pretty much. You know, he had sacrificed everything and mortgaged his entire life to get the team saved in in 67. And, you know, the people that came to Philadelphia, Joe Watson's, the, you know, the Bobby Clark's, the Bill Barber's, the, the Gene Hart's, the people, the pillars, the people that gave it, it wasn't just about winning a Stanley Cup. It was that they were the ones that gave him his success. You know, he knew that he knew that he wasn't just one guy who was so brilliant that he built it all himself, you know, without a successful team, even if they hadn't won Stanley Cups per se, without a successful team it would never have worked no matter how passionate he was. He, and those guys gave their all to the city. They gave their all to the organization. Most of them still live in the area. Like you said, um, specifically with Gene Hart. I mean, he had a, he had a great relationship with Gene. And there's a, there's a great story that I believe Gene told in his book uh, during the, uh, during the 76 Soviet game, that whole week, they had a bunch of events and there was a banquet and there were dinners and Ed knew he was going to have to make a speech. And, um, he had asked Gene because Gene was in the army and knew some Russian and he asked Gene how to say, you know, good luck to everyone on Sunday. And Gene told him how to say it. And he was practicing all week. And every time he passed Gene in the hallway, he would say it for Gene and Gene would say, great job. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to say this. 
And then he got up to speak and he's, you know, facing his flyers organization and all these Soviet players, which of course he vehemently hated. And he said his speech and then ended it without saying the line. And then when he got down, uh, you know, Gene kind of looked at him funny and had grabbed him by the lapels and said, I remembered the line. I just couldn't look those guys in the eye and tell them good luck on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Not against my team. <laughs> and, and he really just, he, he, he loved having that relationship. And, you know, you talk to some of the executives that worked with him through the eighties and the nineties and, and the two yeah. thousands. And he just, it was like, they were such close friends. It, it's really, it, he really, if you gave the loyalty to Ed, he gave it right back to you in full. Yeah. Is that his greatest legacy, Alan? I think his greatest legacy is Snyder hockey, honestly. I mean, I know the, the flyers, the success of the flyers or the failure of the flyers at any given time, you know, really at the end of the day has no bearing on the lives of people in the city, but Snyder hockey, I mean, what they've done is just, just unbelievable. I mean, and the proceeds from the book go to Snyder hockey. Um, so, you know, obviously I would encourage everyone to, purchase a copy not just for reading it but to support a wonderful organization i mean he 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 left them so much uh from his estate so that they could run forever basically and, and they do such incredible work over there um i know they're involved with the game as well with they were involved uh, in in the game on thursday and they're going to be involved with with saturday's game as well i think you know the effect that has on the city is more than anything the flyers themselves could ever do and that's not that's not a testament that's not a shot at the flyers. It's a testament to what a great job Ed and Scott Tharp did in building that organization in building that, uh, that, uh, nonprofit. Yeah. And it is a finely run machine and the, the way that they have grown the game and affected communities that they would never have affected, um, had you not cared enough to do it. And they did. And put their money where their mouth is. It's, it's a great legacy to have for sure. Alan, uh, where can people get the book? Amazon, where else? They can get it at Amazon. It's in uh, some of the local bookstores here, uh, anywhere books are sold. It's a fantastic read. And I know we're just past uh, the holiday season, but uh, still a gift you can pick up for yourself. Ed Snyder, the last sports mogul. Uh, and we appreciate uh, the author and writer, uh, Alan Bass, for coming on this episode of Flyers Daily. Alan, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game today. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll recap Flyers and Calgary Flames on another brand new edition of Flyers Daily.